Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. God, when it comes to doing things uh, for others in this culture, we have been talking about Jesus saying it's his desire for all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. And if that's his desire, and as this song uh, was, uh, some of the words today was amazing love, God's amazing love for us. What was his amazing love? Is he gave his life for us. And if he gave his life for us, then we should do the same for others. Uh, we are here as ambassadors. We've, we've gone through that also in a previous uh, message. And so we are not from here when we got born again. We are from a heavenly home. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Uh, but we are here on earth, and we're supposed to be taking the good news of Jesus Christ dying for our sins to a lost world because everyone who's born of man is born into sin. So we want to try to uh, uh, let people know that as well as to encourage them to bow their knees now to Jesus Christ as Lord to recognize they need a Savior. So we've been talking about that. And I, I know that I can get complacent in my Christian walk in that I have a lot of things to do. You have a lot of things to do. And, and we just go about our everyday life really being busy and not thinking about the lost souls that are in the world. The, the souls that, that uh, if they die, and people do die early, and I'm sure that uh, in any holiday someone usually uh, dies in a car accident or some type of situation, and uh, that's, that's, that's a serious thing. Nobody should die without Jesus Christ. And so we have an obligation and a responsibility as ambassadors of Jesus Christ and of our heavenly home to take those good news to someone. And so it just stirs my heart, and, and I'm trying to uh, do the same in your heart, that God is saying that uh, plead with people, be on a, on a lookout for people that need something. And we know their need is Jesus Christ. They don't know their need is Jesus Christ. But we know that. And we are the only ones who can do that. There's no other person who can bring Jesus Christ to someone except a Christian. That's, that's it, basically. Uh, so that's what we want to do. Now, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 4. And we'll start there. Because the title of the message is taken from there. It says, do not merely, I'm reading out of the New American Standard, do not merely, and of course merely is not in the uh, Greek, but it is put there to make it sound uh, like it's meant to, to be. If I took it out, it says, do not look out for your own personal interests. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. That's the word of God. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but also, that it also is there, 
And that's why the New American Standard, they, they are put merely because we all know that we're all going to look out for our own interests to a certain extent. We're all going to do that. But God is trying to let us know that he wants us not only to be looking out for our own interests, but for the interests of others also. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. How do I look out for others' interests when I don't really know them? How do I look out for others' interests if I really don't care about them? How do I look out for others' interests if I'm so busy doing what I need to do in my own thing, in my own family, I don't have time to think about you or your family or somebody else in my workplace, their families. I don't have time to stop work or to listen to somebody cry the blues about something that's going wrong in their life. What is going to help motivate me to look out for their interests as well as mine? What is going to do that? That's the, the message today. That's the message. I believe that God wants us to think about him. That's what he think, I think he wants us to think about. I think he wants us to think about who he is. I don't think I can change the way I am just because I feel sorry for this person. I have compassion on this person. That's not going to help me in the long run because I have too much to think about for myself. And I know you do too. What is going to do it? What's actually going to do this thing? Let's look at another scripture. Let's look at Matthew. Let's go to Matthew chapter 22 verse 34. Let's go there. What is going to make me really look out for somebody else's interest and not necessarily my own? Only. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees and gathered themselves together, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. So what should motivate us to care more about somebody else's interests in addition to our own? Love. Four-letter word, right? Love, L-O-V-E, love. Love, first of all, for God. I believe that we have to love God to such an extent that it's going to cause us to deviate from our normal business in this culture, this society, because this society is going towards nothing 
of God, basically. And we know from reading the scriptures headed that way. So if you think of, uh, like John Video said, one of the elders of the day, Black Friday. Well, it used to be a shopping day called Black Friday. But because of, I believe, the greed in society, why should we just have one day? Let's stretch this thing out. Let's not only have Black Friday, let's have a Black Week. <laughs> right? So actually, when did Black Friday start? Yeah, it started in the first of the week. Everybody just went on, went on. They want us to spend our money to buy what they have. And we know the prices are marked up anyway, so when it's marked down, you think, well, you're getting a deal. I mean, yeah, you're getting a, but it's, it's marked up anyway, you know. They're not losing any money, believe me. They want to keep us busy. They want to keep us about buying things, spending our money on things that don't really profit us. That's what society wants us to do. And so I know that I don't think about others like I should. And I need to make time to think about others. I need to make time to build relationships outside of those who I normally would build relationships with. I need to make time to listen to someone else's uh, problems of uh, what is going through. I need to ask them, hey, uh, how are things going? I need to spend the time asking people and because normally you don't want to ask somebody how things going if you don't want to hear. You know, really. Because they can tell if you really don't want to hear. But if you really want to hear and you ask somebody that and you develop a relationship with them where they, they really think you care, they will tell you. And it takes time to listen to people. And once you listen and you don't do anything, then what's the purpose of really asking someone how they're doing if you really don't care? So it means that once someone tells us that they have problems, then we need to try to answer those problems or find a solution, help them find a solution to that problem. And that takes time. This takes effort. It takes finances a lot of time. So God wants us to do all these things because that's the only way we're going to reach people. And here God is saying that the only way that we're going to do that should be now because of love. Because sometimes we'll do things for selfish reasons because we think we have an advantage of doing something to help this person because this person can help us. That's not, the, that's not the reason why we should be doing that. We should be helping somebody. We should be asking somebody. We should be taking time for that because the love of God compels us. Because the love of our neighbor compels us. Who is our neighbor? Is it the person who lives next door, on either side of me, across the street from me? Is that what God is saying? Because who was the neighbor of the, of the great, uh, of the Samaritan? You remember the, the, the parable of the Samaritan? 
who, who, who was a neighbor. That person, <laughs> that the Samar- did the Samaritan know that person? No, he didn't know him. It, it just happened to be a person in proximity to him, and that person, he helped that person. So who are we going to, who's our neighbor? Anybody in proximity to us that, that God uh, puts across our path? That's our neighbor. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the second commandment. So love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Then love our neighbor, anybody in our proximity, as we love ourselves. And you know we have a great deal of love for ourselves, don't we? I know I do. He's to love your neighbor like that. See, this, this puts a whole different thing on it. And all, all I'm trying to do is what I know that God is calling for everywhere in Christianity is he wants souls saved. He wants people saved. He wants people to be snatched out of darkness, to be translated into the kingdom of his dear son. He doesn't want anybody to be in the lake of fire and brimstone with the devil, the beast, and all the the false prophets. He doesn't want people to be there. But people are going to be there if we don't do what God has called us to do. And that's as a church all over China, everywhere, New Mexico, every, every place, not only just here in Lynchburg, every place that we call ourselves Christians, that's what we need to be doing. And that takes time. It takes effort. Let's look at another scripture. Let's uh, keep there in Matthew. Let's go to chapter 7, verse 12. Let's go there. Love. God says it in so many different ways. Love. Love should compel us. Love should motivate us. Love should uh, be the impetus behind us reaching out to someone else. It says here in verse 12, in everything, not some things, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Now, I thought love was the law and the the prophets. I thought it says on these two hang all the law and the prophets on loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and also loving our neighbor as ourselves. I thought those were the answer to the law and the prophets. But what about this? This is another way of stating the love law. That's all. It's just another way. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. Since you love yourself, since I love myself, since we are so in love with ourselves, he says that I want you to treat people in the same way you want them to treat you. And you know you want people to treat you fine. I know that I am so thankful that somebody prayed for me, somebody told me about Jesus Christ, somebody spent time with me. I am so grateful for that. And God used a lot of different people, a lot of different situations uh, to bring me to him. He did a lot of things. Because I wouldn't have come to him without him drawing me. So therefore, if I'm so appreciative and I would love for someone to do that for me if I knew that's what I needed, 
He's saying, why don't you do the same? Why don't you do the same? Why don't you reach out to people? Why don't you tell them about you? Why don't you pray for people? Why don't you spend time to try to lead them into salvation? That's love. That's love for others more than yourself. And you say, well, that doesn't say anything about God, though. Oh, yes, it does, because the other scriptures speak of that, doesn't it? He says that, God says that, if you love me, come on, keep my commandments. What are his commandments? To love. <laughs> love him and love others. And how do you prove that you love him? If you love me, keep my commandments. So the commandment we should be keeping is loving others. And isn't that what this scripture says? In everything, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. This is law of the prophet. That's love. That's to others. So that's what we should be doing. We should be, Christians should be other-minded people. Not minding ourselves, minding the things of ourselves. We should be other-minded people. We should be thinking about others. Everything is about others. Others. That That would help us in every area of our life if we thought about others. We wouldn't say some of the things that we say to our mates, to our children, to our co-workers, to other people. We wouldn't do some of the things we do if we thought more of others than we did ourselves. That's why he says this is the law and the prophets. Now, let's go just a little bit further here because I believe that the, the um, let's say the arena or the sphere of, of need in society is greater than we think. I really think that. I don't think it's just this small group of people that's somewhere in Lynchburg in the in the, in, the, in the corners and the, in, in the, in the uh, cracks and crevices of Lynchburg that we got to try to weed out and, and hope that God, you know, show, show them to us because everybody else, they are saved. I don't believe that. I really don't. Let's look at a scripture here in same, same chapter, Matthew chapter 7. We're, we're in verse 12. Now let's go to the next verse. Verse 13. Let's start there. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad. Did you all say that? Okay. That leads to destruction. And there are many, did you say that? Who enter through it. The destruction is ruin. It's waste. It's perdition. That's what the Greek dictionary would say this means. Perdition, you remember who, the, who, who Jesus said the son of perdition is? He said, I, I've kept all that you've given me, Father, except the son of perdition. Who was that? Judas. One of his disciples. It says, For the gate is small. 
small. That's how mine's mine's pronounced. Small. (laughs) And the way is narrow that leads to life. And that life is a Greek word that's called, come on, Jack, give it to me. Zoe. (laughs) That's life. That's eternal life. That's eternal life. That's what we all want. That's what it is. When you have eternal life, you don't have the second death. See, everyone is appointed to everyone to die once. Once. But not to die twice. The second death, actually, we went through last week, two weeks, is in Revelation 21, is, is the lake of fire and brimstone. That's the second death. It's eternal death, though. It's not just one death. It's eternal death. That means you, you'll be dying and dying and dying and dying. How long will you be dying? Eternally, if you're in the lake of fire and brimstone. And if you are not there, and your name is in the book of Zoe, life, you also have life eternal. You have life. You'll be living. You'll be living and living. How long will you be living? Eternally. Eternally. So one is the second death, and one is life. And it says here, and there are, my, 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 my dictionary my, my, my Bible has a three words up there, and there are few. Few. How many is a few? Few. <laughs> a small number. Small number compared to the vast numbers, right? Few. Who find it? Now, does that sound like in Lynchburg, Virginia, surrounding areas of Nelson County, Bedford County, Amherst County, um, Campbell County, all over Lynchburg and surrounding areas, towns, cities, there are many, 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 many people who are saved, and you just, you just got to find a few in every church, in all these localities, we got to be fighting over the few that's not saved. What do you think? Does the scripture point that? To point that? I don't read that. I read that it's just the opposite. There are many who need Jesus Christ. That's what I read. Now, if we if we were to go a little further, it says. Beware of the false prophets who, who, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorns, bushes, or figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, in every, and, 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 but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so then... You will know them by their fruits. 
Not everyone who says to me, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Whoever does the will of the father. We know that the will of the father, his, his will is for all to be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth, isn't it? We know this is will. We know this is will. We need to be about doing that. We need to be about, we know that God wants us to live a righteous life, doesn't he? Many, oh, that's that word again. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, cast out demons. You remember we talked about that last Sunday. And in your name, perform many miracles. Does that sound like the loss? Unchurched? What does that sound like? It says that, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I never knew knew you. Mm. Depart from me, you who practice, that's what this is, the word, practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and that's why I love to give the word of God, and acts on them, so it's not just the hearer of the word only, is it? It's those who not only here, but what? Acts on it. You got to do something with that word. May be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man. So both hear it. One did something with it, but a foolish man didn't because he built his house on something like sand. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and it slammed against the house and it fell. And great was its fall. So what is that rock? That rock in these, these verses I just read is what he just said is not only hearing, but what? Doing the word of God, doing the will of God. I believe, your mama was telling you, that I believe that there are many, many people who need us. I really believe it. There are many people who, who need us. They need what you have. They need what you have. They need it. You are the only ones with words of life. You're the only one. Because you're bringing, there's life in no other name than Jesus Christ. No other name than Jesus Christ. There's not life in 
Muhammad. There's no life in, you know, John Smith. There's no life in uh, worshiping moon or stars or whatever. There's no life in, in just worshiping yourself, doing what you want to do. There's only life in one name. There's only one way a man can be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. Only one name. So therefore, I believe that the arena is large. I believe there are people sitting in church all over the world, just like I was sitting in church at one time, that was not saved. I was not saved. I thought I was, but I was not. So we have people who are, say they are Christians, but they are not saved. We have people who are, don't profess Christianity, they are not saved. I believe the arena is large. And then we have Christians who are true Christians who are saved, born again, who are, are you know, they're just like, like the scripture says, we're, we're pressing towards the mark for the high calling. I believe there's all sorts of Christians. And, 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 and I'm, I'm not saying that to be a Christian you have to, have, you have to be perfect. I'm not saying that. Uh, we all are, are, are works in progress. We all are. But how do you know a Christian except by the fruit? I know that it's not just because you say some words. I know that. I know that. Christianity is a hard thing. It's not, it's not just a mouth thing. Christianity is not a, a getting wet thing. That, you know, baptism is, is a part of once you get born again. But I know there are people in so many churches who said something, who've gotten wet, and still not saved. There's no fruit for 20 years. None. Zilch. Same. Now, this is, this is what I'm saying is that, that the arena is large. So, so we are an obligation to, number one, you remember I told you before, we need to be about God's business of, of, of really pressing towards the mark for the high calling ourselves. You, we have to keep an eye on ourselves uh, unless when we have preach to others or proclaim or, or witness to others, we might, ourselves might be cast away. So, so we, we, we don't want that, do we? We want to be about doing the Lord's business. We want to be pressing into this thing because there are so many, uh, so many things that try to get us off things, off the word of God. Listen to what it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. It says, everyone who practices, this is important, practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. Speaking of Jesus. No one who Continually, that's a, that's a, over and over again, that's a continuous tense. No one who continuously abides in him sins. 
No one who continually sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, take, take, make sure no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God continually practices sin because his seed, the seed of God, Jesus, the seed abides in him and he cannot continue over and over again sin because he is born of God. And when when I'm using continually and it's not up there, it's only because I know the Greek tense. And it, and it means continual. Uh, you know it can't mean a person who sinned one time is not of God. It's not there because, you know, everybody has sinned some. So I'm speaking of continually, continually, continually. You, could, you continue to practice the same thing no matter what somebody said. No matter, you continue doing the same thing. Uh, then, then it says here, by this, verse 10, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. He says it's obvious. Anyone who does not continue to practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And that love is, we need to love one another enough to do something about it, shouldn't we? What did God want us to do about it? He wants us to reach out to people, doesn't he? So as we're reaching out to people, we have to remember two things. Number one, people don't know they have a need for Jesus Christ. They really don't. And a lot of people don't want to hear anything about Jesus Christ. So how are we going to try to bring them what they don't want or what they don't, don't, don't know they need? I believe that just being nice to people I believe it helps because people sometimes are not nice to you, not nice to me. But if if they're not nice to us and we be nice to them, that they say, whoo, you know, what's wrong with this person? And, and, you know, your coworkers or somebody say, why are you so nice to them? They're not nice to you. Why are you speaking well of them? They don't speak well of you. See, you don't have to say anything because in some workplaces they said don't say anything about Jesus Christ. You know, don't, don't want nothing to talk of religion in, in this workplace. Well, see, our actions speak louder than our words anyway. And so they know something different about you. They do know that. And that's, I think that's what God wants us to do. Be, be nice to people. It gives you the arena to, to reach into the lives. Also, Try to try to help people at their felt needs, or that what they what they think they need. They, they, they know, you know they need Jesus, but they are telling you they have other needs. Try to help them at their felt needs. We can do that. And we talked about one felt need we try to help people uh, in is. praying for them because 
Believe me. Everybody has something wrong with them. Everybody. Or some, something wrong with somebody close to them that they love. And they want you to pray for them. They really do. And aren't you glad that Laura Fox had that testimony? Aren't you glad that Laura Fox was in church and knew to pray for people, wanted to pray for people, reached out to people? He could have said, you know, man, this woman, you know, I don't want to talk to her. She ain't about nothing. Let her, let, her, let, her, let her go and do her thing. She don't listen to nobody anyway. I've talked to her on the workplace. She don't want to listen to me. I don't want to talk to her and spend my time. He could have said that. But he didn't. He didn't. He prayed for her. And look at her now. Aren't you glad? There are many Laurels out there. There are many Willie Taylors out there. There are many, whatever your name is, out there. Many that need somebody to pray for them. Really do. We're going to have another testimony. Let me read this other verse. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. You know, we left off on verse 20. Let's pick it up on on verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, you remember he was on one side and this demon-possessed person, he had a legion of demons, you remember that? And, and okay, now he's going back to the other side. And a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus said, came up to him and seeing him, said he fell, he fell at his feet. And he implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and live. The, the, the synagogue official has already heard about Jesus, know that this is something he can do. He went off with him. So now they're, they're going. To his house. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. I mean, pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I would get well. Immediately, immediately the flow of her blood had, was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceived in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth. Turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And the disciples said to him, 
you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. Isn't that interesting? People are pressing around him. I mean, just pressing in on him. You know, they were, in other words, the disciples said, Jesus, you know people all around you, pressing all against you, touching you everywhere, and you said, who touched you? How do we know who touched you in all this multitude of crowds? But see, Jesus knew that they weren't touching him to receive anything. They weren't touching him with that faith type of touch. But this woman touched her, touched him, and he touched, she touched him, saying, if I can just touch him. I mean, she had some faith. She said, I have a need here. I have a need. And that touch drew from him, from that anointing that is him, and she got healed. And he knew it. Isn't that interesting? You can, you can, you can feel power go from you. My goodness gracious. The woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole story. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, said to the synagogue officials, do not be afraid. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, and John, and the brother, John, John the brother of James. So we got three, the rest of them can't go. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw the commotion and the people loudly weeping and wailing. He entered in and, and said to, the, to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but asleep. They began laughing at him. But putting them out, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, he told her, Talitha Kum, which translates, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the little girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astonished. Wow. We have something that people need. Wouldn't it be nice if people, people hear about you on the workplace and say, I heard you, 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 you prayed for Sally Sue and, and, and she got healed. Would you pray for me? Wouldn't that be good, great? Wouldn't it be great to say, you know, I heard about, you know, you, you know the people in your church. I, I know I, I came here. I've never been to your church. I, never, I came because I want, I want somebody to pray for me. I heard somebody got, prayed, got, got healed when, they, when, you, when they, they prayed for me at the end of the service. Zita, can you come up, please? Now, Zita going to give you a, a, a short testimony. Remember the word short. <laughs> <Your> testimony. <laughs> um, 
that um, that she had something. Yes. I'm letting you hold it now. Yes. Okay. I got it. Okay. All right. Um, I had nerve damage. I was cleaning and I hit my wrist, and I had nerve damage, and it was very painful. I've already had pain. I've had muscle pain. Y'all that know me know I have problems with my muscles, but this was a lot worse. So I cried out to God to do something about it because I just couldn't. It was more paralyzing than the muscle pain. And I was suffering a great deal with the um, pain. And people knew about it because I certainly told people. <laughs> and they had people praying for me. But um, one morning I'd gotten up and it, w- it was so bad I had it was time to go back to the doctor. And so I called the doctor and I said, Look, I gotta come in. I'm in so much pain. Something's gotta be done about this. Um, well, while I was on the phone on my cell phone in the kitchen, the house phone rang, and it was Annie Mae. And I said, "Well, I'll call her when I get off the phone." And so I called her back after I got off the phone. She says, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I just got off the phone with the doctor." She says, "Well, I felt an impression to pray for you this morning when I got the Lord wanted me to pray for you." And I said, "She said, uh, I said, okay." And uh, she says, well, do you know First Peter, I mean, Second Peter 2.24? And I said, yeah, I lean on that a lot. You know, by his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for our transgressions. So um, she prayed with me, and I was praying. And I was like, God, I really want this to happen because I'm in so much pain right now. And so while she was on the phone with me, I, I started lifting my arm up, and it wasn't hurting. And I was able to lift my whole arm all the way up, and I wasn't able to do that because the pain was just like someone was stabbing me in the shoulder every time I would try to lift my arm up like this, but I was able to put my arm all the way up. So God healed me of that. And that day was the 13th of November. And the 13th of November was also a specific day on somebody owing me money. That was the last day they were going to owe me money through the courts. Somebody's dog came up and attacked my cats and and so I realized the significance that God blessed me because I let it go. And it was let go, and I wasn't even thinking about that that morning. But after the healing, God brought to me that I let that go. Because it cost me, it was 4th of July that it happened, so it cost me lots of money. Because anybody knows you go to the vet on the 4th of July or any holiday, you're going to the emergency vet, and it's going to cost you lots of money. But uh, God just told me to let it go, that... Don't worry about the money. So a lot of times we're holding on to things we don't realize it, you know, and we need to let them go because that's not what's important. Important, most important thing in this world is our communication, our relationship with God, and being like Him. And He's a forgiving God. He forgave me, so why can't I forgive them? What do you, what do you mean? You let it go. Let what go? I let the the money situation go. In other words, the fact that they, I paid for it. I, nobody had nobody. Nobody knows about your dog and cat. Dog yeah. And cat. Well, my dog. I don't have a dog. I had two pit bulls come and attack my cat, and it cost me mm-hmm. quite a bit of money. And um, I believe letting that go opened the door up for that healing. Letting now I have another problem that let, I had. Is it letting the dogs go or, or letting letting it go? The fact that they didn't pay for the repercussions of okay, it. Okay, you went to the people who had to put pit bulls and told them they needed to pay for this thing. Yes. And they didn't think they needed to pay. No. 
Okay. No, they, in fact, the guy um, came to my house and was trying to get it put in his name because he got Social Security money and he knew it wouldn't get, he wouldn't have to pay me. So he was trying to trickery. Mm -hmm. And so it was not just, oh, my dogs attacked you. They right. were doing more stuff and causing problems right. more in my life than just the dog came in there. Right. And right. so it was a lot more to forgive instead of just like somebody took a cookie from me and I have another cookie. It's no right. big deal. I can right. say, I got another one, you know, problem. But that was money, and money is hard to come by in, in my book. <laughs> so right. Right. It was hard right. for, you know, right. it wasn't no light deal for okay. me to just say, oh, okay. Right. You know, That's but good. God told me that it was not, the money was important. Mm -hmm. What I have need of, he's going to provide anyways. Mm. So That's great. I think the main message is for me and for could be for somebody else is don't hold on to things. Things are not what's important. Most important thing in, is your relationship with God and being like God. And God's forgiving, and we need to be forgiving and loving and sharing the love that God has given us to other people. You know, like Annie Mae, she could have, she just, oh, you know, I don't need to call Zita. She knows, she knows how God can heal her. No, but she listened to God, and she called me, and she said, I feel like the Lord impressed upon me to call you and pray for you. Because she knows I know how to pray, and I have, you know. But I, one of the things I thought was interesting is God healed that, but not the injury I've had for 19 years. And I was telling somebody at um, another place, I said, well, you know, if there was nothing wrong with me, I think I probably wouldn't spend much time seeking him or wanting him because I would be all-sufficient in myself. Mm -hmm. And so uh, mm -hmm. I'm thankful he chose to heal the, heal the worst thing. Because right. <laughs> it was terrible. It was. I, you I still feel can crazy. raise your hands and all like that. Now. Yes. All right. Let's give God a hand, okay? Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Zita. Thank you, Zita. God is good, isn't he? Thank you for listening to this okay. message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia, at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com. Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.